Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Words with Christine. This podcast is for people who want a daily dose of personal development support, believe in the power of alternative healing and energy work, want to activate their divine wealth blueprint, and are ready to build a relationship with their mind, body, and spirit. Today's episode is an expansive conversation between myself, Christine Ford, and Dr. Lisa Petty. I hope that you enjoy, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode as we will be doing more expansive conversation type episodes, including some business topics. So I look forward to hearing what you guys think and hearing your biggest ahas. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with my lovely guest, Dr. Lisa Petty. I will just tell you a little bit about her, but thank you, everyone, for being present and bringing your attention and your focus to these topics that we're going to be talking about today, which is to do with the midlife crisis. We're also going to be talking about the notion of what it means to have it all and maybe the lie that we have been sold about what it means to have it all in terms of self-sacrifice and self-compromise and find the new harmonious way that actually serves us so that we can deliver our soul mission in a way that is supportive to us and those around us and really leads us to a more fulfilling, purposeful life overall. So I'll just read you a little bit of Lisa's bio. Lisa's point of view is at the intersection of research and embodied wisdom. She earned her PhD researching what gets in the way of women taking care of their well-being, and she believes the way to self-actualization is through embodiment. Her goal is to quietly radicalize women so that they unplug from other people's expectations, become who they are, follow their own North Star, and together change the world. I love that. So Lisa, welcome. Thank you for being here, a guest on the podcast today. Would you like to embellish or share anything particular about your personal journey and how you got here? Well, first of all, after your introduction, I'm just really excited to talk to you. I'm like, oh, we're going to get into some really juicy stuff. This is going to be fun. I got my doctorate and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the the brain and how how our culture sort of puts puts the brain and thinking at the top of the the pyramid but long story short even though i got my doctorate even though i like to think i like to research i love to learn i love to teach and share I had to learn, my big learning was I had to get out of my head, stop thinking and get into my body. And it, and it took a while, it took a while for me to get to that place and to realize at midlife, I mean, at other times in, in our lives as well, but speaking from the perspective of a midlife woman, when we have questions about our soul purpose and why we're here and who we are to the core of our being, and we and these these are the questions that sort of prickle us in the morning and catch our attention throughout the day. I've realized that we can't think our way through these problems. We actually have to feel our way through them. So yes, that's where I am now. Wow, that's so powerful. And I, I'm getting chills as you're talking. We had a previous conversation to this, and that was just so 
powerful. I just knew I wanted to talk to you and hear what you had to say and what you had to share with, with others so that they could also benefit and see like what resonates for them and, and utilize this to transform themselves and become more empowered. So I love what you said about the, you know, the top of the pyramid is the brain. And I mean, that's kind of how the medical system works. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's all in your head or, you know, it's all created by the brain. But I think you know, when we're disconnected from our true selves, from our soul aspect, that's where we'll go because we don't really know what else, I mean, what created the brain then? <laughs> like what's, what's in control of the brain? Like what's bigger than that? And I yeah. think from a 3D practical point of view for, you know, people who are not maybe connected to that higher aspect, that's where they go. And they just assume it's all in the brain. And it's like, there's bigger things here. And I think it was, even Einstein was talking about the frequency of, of energy and how energy moves. And I know Stephen Hawking talked about that too. And so there's, there's research out there that like points to this and maybe it's not, you know, qualified in the same way other types of research is in, in our society, but there is a scientific component to energy and vibration and frequency and so I love that you you are aware and that you recognize that and you just bring that insight of like, okay, it's more than just the brain. There's there's something more here and there is a soul connection. I think that's a big deal for some people to feel like there's a soul connection. <laughs> there is so much in what you just said. I mean, first of all, you said that that what we're talking about today isn't researched in in ways that we expect, right? But as I said, I have a doctorate. I love finding the threads and pulling them. And there is a lot, not as much as we would like maybe, but there is a lot of research about energy and vibration, things like grounding, the health benefits of that, which is all about vibration, about heart resonance, about intuition. The research is there, we just don't hear about it, which mm -hmm. if I pull the thread of what you said just a little bit further, go back a little bit and talk about this idea of the brain and how we, we think that the brain is in charge. And you mentioned Einstein, and I'm pretty sure it was Einstein. Forgive me if I am mis misattributing this quotation, but I think it was Einstein who said that we have made the brain into the master and the brain is meant to be the servant, right? So even Einstein was aware of vibration and energy and that we've given too much power over to the brain. But pulling that thread just a little bit further back to the first thing that we were talking about is this idea of we think that the brain is in charge because that's how we've been trained. We have been trained to believe that our brains have to run the show I mean, how many people, raise your hand, except if you're driving, have been told in their lives, stop being so emotional. You're too sensitive. You feel too much. Or the other one is, use your logic. If you have a problem, use your logic. Well, yes, logic is important. All of these aspects of ourselves really important, right? And, and when we're functioning in the 3D world, we have to be practical. Logic is practical. But, you know, also, you know, we've heard the expression, the definition of insanity is to think that we can 
get out of a problem using the same sort of tools that got us into the problem, right? I mean, that's that's one experience. So if our brains got us into the logical problem, then in order to get new sort of solutions to that problem, we have to get out of that trap, right? And that's where we need to escape <laughs> escape the brain and get into the energy and vibration of creativity and intuition and being in our bodies. Oh, wow. I so, I love that because you really brought forward the holistic aspect of the human. And I mean, we can kind of go into like a lot of things are classified. Like you go to a heart doctor to deal with your heart. You go to an ear doctor to deal with your ear. But like, what if all of those things were linked to something else that was underlying that none of those specialties could access because they're not focused there. They're so specific they don't actually take into account the whole human. Now, you know, that's just my experience. I'm not saying that every doctor is like that. Of course, there's, I actually just last week met a gentleman who was a chiropractor. He's retired, but he's an energy worker. Yes. He said, I do Reiki and actually do two sessions of Reiki. And this guy that I was working on after months who, who was taking this chiropractic work with me was fine. And, and so, you know, there was the, physical component was present in the chiropractic, yes. but then there was the energetic component and it was so refreshing because he was an elder man. And I thought, wow, like this is magical. Like people really are getting this, that we're more than just our brains. We're more than just one part of our bodies. You know, we're, we're holistic where we've got more going on than maybe even we're aware of consciously. And that leads into conversations about the subconscious and everything else. Too. That, well, so then we're moving out of the brain, right? The brain is just the conscious. Yeah. The brain is is the, the thinking part and the noticing through a very limited sort of funnel, right? A very limited funnel. And that's because that's how the brain operates. Mm-hmm. The brain operates in such a way that you only it will only allow you to see a certain amount of data because otherwise you you wouldn't be able to function really i mean you think about how much data is coming at you at any moment thousands and thousands of bits of data about what's in the air how much light is in the room what was that noise oh my goodness is is my dog getting into his <laughs> into something you shouldn't be while i'm talking with you right all of this stuff mm-hmm. is coming at us our brains can't give it all to us because then we couldn't function so the brain by necessity has to filter information and to make things easier for itself it always filters the familiar so if it's seen it before it says okay that's safe we'll bring that in that's good that's not going to cause my central nervous system to go haywire that's not going to cause anxiety so we'll bring that in that's familiar well just on the other side of that familiar could have been the solution you were looking for but you didn't see it because your brain gave you what was familiar so there's lots of limitations to the brain and love the brain. Like, yes. let's be clear, love the brain, love the brain. anti-brain here. We are not anti-brain. A brain is really, really powerful. I wish people would sometimes use it a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, we, we, as you say, we have to be holistic about this. We weren't just given a brain. We were given a heart. We were given a gut. We were given sensa- sensors throughout our bodies and you know, from a holistic perspective, I used to be a holistic nutritionist, the communication between your gut and your brain, actually 90% of it starts in your gut and moves up to your brain. 
And then your brain filters that information. So there is such a thing as gut knowing. Your gut tells your brain a lot. Same with the heart. The heart has the ability to learn and to memorize. And 90% of the information on the pathway between the heart and the brain also starts in the heart. So love the brain. It it just doesn't deserve to have 99% of the vote. <laughs> Yes, I couldn't said it, couldn't have said it better. Like I love the way you expressed that and you shared that. That was like that's so pivotal, I think. And that, you know, that our brains don't necessarily come up with the solutions we created the problems for. And so sometimes we do have to allow in that unfamiliar of like what could be the solution that I'm not seeing when I'm doing when I'm doing work on my clients as as a healer, I actually have to like remove stuff that that's like okay here's an old belief it's not serving you anymore let's pull it from the root and then suddenly it's like oh wait what if that's not there what is there what could be there what's possible what's a possibility that now presents itself and you know the way that I do it as as a healer and energy worker it's like I bring in light and the light is information and awareness and it's awareness on all levels it's not just awareness in the brain it's the conscious mind is part of it, but the subconscious is also part of it. And then there's this higher aspect or the higher element, which you might call the higher heart. You could call it the soul. Like you can call it all these different things, but they all kind of essentially represent the same thing, which is, you know, what's more than what I'm seeing? You know, what's the bigger picture here? Is there more to reality than what I can physically see or what I allow myself to physically see? Yes. Yes. And so that goes a little bit back to the idea of programming that we talked about before today. And also, you know, that idea of the brain and we are programmed to believe that the brain is in charge. There's a whole bunch of things that we're programmed to believe. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people are starting now to question that programming a lot more. And I'm sure that your audience is familiar with some of the programming, but there's a lot that is so subtle and it starts with us so young. I mean, you think about anybody who went to a school, we were programmed as to when we were allowed to tinkle. <laughs> like you, like Pavlov, you can tinkle when the bell rings, right? You can eat when the bell rings. You, and and that's a subtle example, but that's, we were what, three or four years old when that programming started, right? And we can discuss all day long whether or not the world would be in chaos if we didn't have that programming. But I think we need to start questioning some of it, actually all of it, we need to question all of it, but we have to decide which of it serves us and which of it's which of it doesn't serve our higher selves and our higher path right and that answer is going to be different for everybody so I want to make that clear as well but particularly at midlife you know dialing in some of my research now for midlife women we get to this place and so much has changed so much is falling away in terms of, you know, our bodies change, you know, I, I like to say that women have this experience where I know this was it for me. It felt like I was wearing jeans that fit me one day and then I had a sleep and I woke up the next morning and they didn't do up anymore. And it's like, whoa, what just happened there? <laughs> so we have these experiences where our bodies change rapidly and, 
And it has a lot to do with hormones changing, but it has to do with aging as well. And they happen at the same time, right? At midlife, your hormones change, your body starts to get a little bit older. And we have this experience of, okay, well, I don't know who my body is anymore. I've That relationship has changed. Interesting. And then other things happen, like if you have children, perhaps the children leave home, or at least if you had children a little bit older, they're getting more independent. They don't need you so much. If you're a woman, you're there, you, you, you see space opening up and it sounds wonderful in theory and it's terrifying in reality because you think, oh my goodness, there's a space there. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so at midlife, we have all of these changes that are happening and uncertainty and space opening up. And yet at the same time, there's this beautiful, I call it stirrings that starts to happen when we start to realize, oh, what is this all about? What is my life all about? I have all of these things, you know, I've checked all the boxes, what I was supposed to do, right? Quote, unquote, what, what they told me I was supposed to do. I've done these things. Well, I don't feel great. I don't feel satisfied or fulfilled or some areas are okay. Some of them, not so much. I haven't met many women who are 100% satisfied in every facet of their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of women who are grateful for where they are right now. And that's amazing. But there really is this space opening up, of shift and change and uncertainty and stirrings. Why am I here? What am I meant to be doing? And and part of that, women start to question some of this this programming. I did everything that that they quote unquote told me to do. Ah, now what? And it's like the 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 structure or the plan you were given at you know fifteen or younger. It feels like, I don't know why I'm hearing 15. It's, yeah, it's around that, right? When right. you're no longer a child and you're starting, you're starting to be schooled into what, what are you doing after high school? Yeah. You know, and have you started thinking about reproduction? And, you know, it starts around puberty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of pre-adulting yes. decisions are starting to flow towards you. Yeah, it it feels like you're being asked to follow a script and then the script has an end and you're like, but it's like, it's, it's like, okay, I, I, I did all the things. Here's the end of the script, but I'm still standing on stage. Now what? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And here, so that's, oh, I love how you just said that because women know this, our society is not set up for us. We're supposed to expire. As soon as soon as menopause, because our society is built on youth and fertility in mostly in women, but youth and fertility is is the ideal. And once we don't have youth and fertility, there is no script for us. And so that is part of it. We're standing on the stage in the dark without a script. Spotlight is on us. And we're paralyzed because we're like, nobody, nobody told me what to do now. Like I didn't get the information. Nobody gave me the script. Nobody asked, nobody even asked me the questions. And I so don't know what to do because I've never been asked. Nobody's ever asked me, mm-hmm. what do you want? 
Is that what you think you really want? Not just, you know, this is what society thinks, but what do you want? Nobody's ever asked. So we're like, oh, I'm alone on the stage in the dark, no directions. It's all on me and I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, I'm not at midlife personally, but that definitely happened. A, a version of that happened in my mid 20s. Yes. And quarter century, it happens. Yeah. The quarter life crisis or whatever. Yeah. And, and it, I remember seeing a therapist and, and one of the things I said, I was, I'm not successful. I'm not successful. Mm. She said to me, well, what does success mean to you? And then I told her what I was programmed to say what successful was. And she said, does that, what, is that what it actually means to you? Or could it mean something different than what you think? Yes. Yes. Which is a beautiful lead in to, so the book that I wrote when I was finished, my doctorate is called forget about having it all. And I love the title because it's cheeky <laughs> and any woman who sort of came of age in the, the eighties, early nineties, and this, it doesn't matter how old you are now, because this, this conversation applies to you. If you're younger than that, it applies to you because things have shifted. So anyone who, who came, came of age, sort of in the, the eighties and nineties, there was a lot of pressure only it wasn't put to us as pressure, but there was this pressure that you can have it all. It was a major book. It was in all of the magazines. There was this concept of, well, you can have get an amazing post-secondary education, find a perfect partner, get an amazing career where you make a ton of money, like you print money, you make so much money, and then you buy your McMansion and you have your two cars and you go on a vacation every year and you have your 2.5 children and your dog and like the whole thing, right? This, this, you must do this. And in size six jeans and three inch heels and always have your makeup on your house is spotless by the way, you never lose your cool. Your partner is always sexually happy. You are just like rock solid, got it all together. That's how, that's the ideal as it was sold to us. So the, the challenge with it is that having it all that way comes with a lot of doing. Mm -hmm. And our culture didn't evolve that rapidly in the sense of, oh, women were allowed to go into the workforce, but they also continue to do to this day, to this minute, 70% of the domestic labor in the home and 90% of the mental labor. So mental labor is the thinking stuff like, oh, what's for supper? And do we have eggs? And hey, did you pick up Johnny or who's going to take Susie to ballet? That comes down to the woman. So more pressure, stuff you can't even see is right on women. So, so this idea that you can have it all was put out as this ideal. And in theory, it would be great. It would be like going to a buffet with your plate and you just go down the line and you take the things you want. In reality, it was put it all on your plate Make sure you have a lot of everything, carry it yourself and eat it all. And I don't even care if you like it. <laughs> I don't care if you're allergic. I don't care. You must put it all on your plate and you must eat it all. So it's an unreasonable thing. It's an unreasonable programming. It's an unreasonable expectation or ideal, this idea of you can have it all. 
And so what I suggest that women do, and this is very much in alignment, I think, with what you do is, and that question that you did, well, what does success mean to you? Well, if you dive deeply into what do you want, forget about having it all, which sounds like it's just given to you, but you know how much work's involved in that. What if instead you just create what you really, really want? Mm. I mean, even saying that, I just feel space open up. I just feel lighter. I feel more expansive. I feel happier even thinking that, right? And it comes down to, again, what does what does it mean to you? I mean, I don't even like, I don't even say to people, oh, yes, you can have it all, but not at the same time. No, maybe I don't want something that's in the definition of all. Right? Maybe I just don't want it. So women, for example, who chose to be childless, they didn't want part of what was the, the programming, right? And not supported in our culture and making that choice at all. So you actually can't have it all under the definition because you you <laughs> your choice was not an option right mm-hmm. so all of this pressure on women and and again it just comes down to this intentional focus on your definition of success as you said it your definition of what brings you joy what fills you up what sets your heart aflutter and create that oh that's the best like that's where all our magic lies yes like the programming and and trying to acquire the things we're supposed to want to acquire prescribed by someone other than ourselves is is so difficult and the point the reason that it's so difficult is because it may not be on our hearts or we might have some ideas about what it means to have that thing. Well, I'll have to give up this. Well, I'll have to, you know, if I have kids, then that means this. If I don't, if I, if I have kids, then it means this. Like there's so much story yes. and like heaviness that could be connected to having the things that maybe we don't want or even having the things that we do want. So I think it's also our job to address like, well, could you, could you have, could you be a parent and have peace? Like, is that possible? Yes. But there's a way that you're going to have to manage it. And you're, there's, there's, there's some other things that you're going to have to think outside the box around it. It might not look the same as your neighbor or mother or as your aunt. Exactly. So again, going back to the idea of walking down the buffet, well, I don't really want chicken, but I would really like to have salmon. Well, I just won't have chicken then. Right. And and I know that's a really simple example, but it's just this idea of if if you create your life from what lights you up and whatever, so I call it the North Star, right? Not everybody, because we don't all define words the same way, and your idea your definition of success is a great example. If you think about how you want to be in your body. Maybe someone doesn't want joy. Maybe what they want is peace. Or maybe they don't want peace. What they really want is excitement. They just want to be, you know, out there just seeing the world and whatever. So even we, we have to be conscious of accepting other people's definitions of what we're supposed to feel like. 
please everybody see the air quotes whenever I say supposed to, <laughs> because we do that to ourselves. And just again, it's it's this not assuming that it has to be joy, not assuming that it has to be peace. What do you want? Do you want motherhood or, or parenthood that, you know, is go, go, go? Awesome. You can have that. Do you want parenthood that is peace at the end of the day? You can have that. Right? So what do you what do you want? And how can you create it? And what does that mean you are willing to let go of? To not create? To not let weigh you down? Right? And this isn't always easy. It's not always as easy as, okay, well, I just won't do that. Mm-hmm. Because then we get into all of those expectations of other people about what do you mean you're not going to do that? And so you have to have, you have to have your tools in your tool belt, right? You have to be prepared for and have this really strong sense of where you, how you want to be. That's what I'm talking about embodiment, right? How do you want to be? And if every decision you make always is going to support how you want to be, or it's not, and it becomes super duper easy to make decisions then. Right. I think of it like the story of Michelangelo and David and Michelangelo was asked, how did he know how to carve David? And his answer was, David was always in there. I just chipped away all of the stuff that wasn't David. So if we are David in our, you know, our Michelangelo and David in our own lives, David is inside of us. And it's our job to just chip away everything that is not David, everything that is not how we want to be and who we want to be. And then there we are, the masterpiece of our own lives, right? Oh, I love that. That's such a good analogy too. And as you were speaking, I kept hearing, but I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to sacrifice. I think that's a very common fear. Like, oh, well, if I go for what I want, I'm going to have to sacrifice something that I don't actually want to sacrifice. And I, I feel like I want to call out to that and just say, Hey, do you actually not want to sacrifice it? Like, and let it go because it's actually out of alignment. Or do you think you're not allowed to sacrifice it? Mm. Or do you know that letting that thing go is going to ruffle some feathers and be a little bit of a bumpy ride and you'd rather avoid that right now? Thank you very much. So, you know, following your highest path takes cojones. Oh yeah. Courage. Yes. You, you, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. You you have to want it and it has to be, you have to be willing to stand in your power yes. and work, work out those relationships that are going to bump up against what you're trying to create and lovingly decide if they get to come with you or not, Mm. right? Not all relationships, even those ones you were programmed into receiving are meant to to be on the journey with you. Or, you know, they're there to to needle you, poke you and prod you to get on your path or to test whether or not, oh, really? How, how, How resolved are you? that this is how you want to be right so as as the michelangelo of your own life you have to be prepared to make those sometimes challenging 
choices. I love that you frame it like that. It's choices. It's not, you're not, you're not a, a victim to any of these things that, you know, you're not a victim to releasing these relationships. You're not a victim to other people when they get triggered by your growth or you stepping into your power or you really say owning your boundaries. Maybe you kind of show up as the doormat to, you know, a certain relationship in your life, a friendship, anything could be anything. And now all of a sudden you standing in your power and embodying what you truly want to do and who you truly want to be is going to cause that that connection to maybe wither a little bit because now you're not going to be a doormat. Now you don't have time for that. Yes. So you actually become more intentional with your time and your energy and your focus. And, and I believe that like when we collapse time, that's just a result of us being intentional and focused with our time and our energy and our attention. And do you find also that when you are being intentional with the direction that you're following, some of those things that you thought were going to be difficult and those conversations you thought were going to be so challenging, they either don't even occur or the person voluntarily withdraws themselves from your life or they just gently move away. And all of these things that you're using as quote unquote excuses about why you can't do this now or who's going to suffer because you're going to whatever. When, when you are being intentional, a lot of that stuff doesn't even happen. Yeah, it's all these fears in the mind that make it feel like it's going to be worse than it actually is. And I think, you know, we have touched on the mind and the brain and how it tries to keep us safe from yes. the unfamiliar. And it's all part and parcel of this whole thing. So it's, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, a lot of times the things that we think are going to be a huge roadblock. Oh my gosh, I could never you know, if this person leaves or this person gets upset, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll be hopeless and lost. And it's like, really though? Like, cause you know, if, you know, my feeling is that our souls have us, the higher aspect of us has us. And if, if the higher aspect of us has us, then the higher aspect of the other person also has them. Yes. I don't need to be their babysitter. I don't need to be their caretaker. I don't need to do everything I think I need to do for them that asks me to compromise my integrity and who I want to step into as my more empowered self. And not that that anyone else is any of your business, but you standing in your power, walking your path with love and intention might be the best thing for that person's soul growth because they will look at you and have whatever feelings they have be triggered in whatever way that they're triggered. And it has nothing to do with you and it's none of your business, but it might be the exact thing that that person needs to pick up their thoughts. Oh, that's so perfectly said. And I agree with that. I actually, it's like leading by example. Yes. And, and, and like, that's been a huge lesson for me personally. And I would imagine for any of the listeners, you know, think about where you've had a, an opportunity to rise into your own leadership, where you've had to basically say like, okay, I'm just going to do me. And then the people around you are like, wow, like, what are you doing? What are you up to? I love seeing your growth and your transformation. And 
you've, you've shifted so much. Like you might actually find that some of the people that you were afraid were going to judge you actually become a cheerleader and become inspired by you. And then, like you said, you know, in other times, sometimes those people just kind of drift away and it's okay that that happens. Maybe you'll reconnect later on. Maybe you won't, but it's okay. Like, I think it's all right to let go of people. And I think there's a big belief in society that says, no, you got to hold on to people. For some reason, I was thinking about sex in the city and how the friends all stay together for years and years and years. And it's like, for me personally, I have not had a group of friends that I've stayed with for years and years and years. They've all fallen away. And Mm -hmm. there was a time where I'd say like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, right. Why can't I maintain a friendship like they do on TV? (laughs) (laughs) You know, television is called programming for a reason. (laughs) Right? I mean, they, so many of those shows are set up to make you feel badly about yourself. And you, you're not, you know, again, we're not even aware that it's happening. So things like that, like I should have friends that have been with me forever says the TV show Friends, I, or says the TV show Sex in the City. So it's, it's amazing how much influence media and other people and culture. And when I talk about culture, I'm, I'm talking about traditions and family. And well, this is the way we've always done it in the family. And, you know, who isn't the black sheep of their family? Raise your hand if you're not the black sheep of the family, like, holy man. So it's, it's, pervasive. And I, 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 like, I'm still peeling back. I'm sure you're still peeling back. You know, this, this sense of, oh my gosh, I just noticed this. How, how could I not have noticed that this was not my original way of being my original thought? This is somebody else's thought that I'm just allowing to play and control and guide. And it's not even mine. And oh my goodness, I don't even agree with it. (laughs) Right. Like it's insane how much of it is, is in there. And it's only with conscious reflection. It's only with asking questions like, where did that come from? And where did that come from? And where did that come from? And keep going and going and going until you go, oh my gosh, my grandmother said that when I was four and I stubbed my toe and it's been in there controlling my every action ever since. Right. Like it's, it's, definitely worth worth doing, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'm of two minds. Sometimes I think, you know what, it's not useful. Let it go. Just boom, yeah. let it go. Just, you don't have to go to therapy for 10 years to know why you keep doing X, Y, Z. Stop. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. <laughs> and if you can just let it go, release the block, whatever. I, I'm familiar or fond of saying to God, my angels, my guides, the universe, creator, whatever language, again, whatever word you want to use. Like, okay, I'm half feeling a blockage here. If I need to know what it is, tell me. If I don't, let's just get rid of it. Let's just let it fly out the window. And I'll, I'll just do things differently from now on. So do that as well. Like if, if you're feeling blocked about something, just tune in and say, do I have to understand this? Do I have to peel back the onion or can I just throw away the onion? Oh, sometimes you can throw away the onion. I completely agree. There's definitely a time and a place for certain things. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just, okay, like, 
the light in me is greater than this darkness. So I'm just going to allow the light to come in and release that darkness. Goodbye. See you never. Yes. <laughs> love it. And then other times where it's like, no, I actually really, there's something of benefit for me to learn this lesson. So I'll sit with it and I'll process it and I'll release the emotion around it and I'll whatever it is I need to do. Sometimes it's just enough to cry it out. Oh, yes. You don't need to talk it out. You don't need to have the feel it out, day. right? Yeah, feel, feel it, it out. Feel it out. Yes. And and the way that you'll know whether or not it's something you have to peel back or not is if it's still there after you try and get rid of it. Yep. Right? Like if, if you have a block and you release the block and it's still a block, then clearly you have a little bit of digging to do. Oh, I love that. That's so clarifying for people is I have a lot of people ask me that, like, how do you know what is what? How do you know what's your intuition and what's your fear? And it's, and that's actually what I just said recently. It was like, oh, assume it is the fear. Just assume mm -hmm. that it is the fear. Do the releasing work, do the letting go, whatever it is you got to do to like fully let it go. Then come back to if it's still persisting or if still something that's sitting there, like, mm, I really, I'm curious about this. I want to do this. I'm interested in this. If that's still coming up, that's your intuition. But now you've got, you've let go of the fear. You know, it's not that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we need to be doing, right? We need to be tuning into what it is. How do you want to be? You, and when I say blockages, that just means that heaviness in the pit of your stomach or the nausea that you feel or your heart palpitations or pain that you might have somewhere, you know, you know where you feel it when you're stuck. You know where you feel it when you're making the wrong decision. You know where you feel it when somebody isn't good for you. You know this. Listen to it. Oh, so good. <laughs> you see, when you get to be at midlife, you get to tell people what to do. <laughs> I love, I love the call. So you and I talked about this before that I see myself as a wisdom channel mm -hmm. and it comes from being on the planet for several decades, but it also comes from me doing this work and tuning into feeling and tuning in to just, I guess, all the wisdom that's around us. Right. And, uh, and I can just see the truth mm -hmm. for people and so what I, I guess what I really want to leave people with is just that sense of, and I do this all the time. My favorite question to ask people, I could probably phone my daughter right now, put her on speaker and say, what's my mom's favorite question? <laughs> and that is, what does that mean to you? Mm. So when people use words or even to yourself, if you're like, okay, well, I want to be happy. Well, happy isn't much of a word. What does happy mean to you? And really, really do the digging, right? What does joy mean to you? What does peace mean to you? Smell it, taste it, see it, hear it, know it. And then you'll recognize it when you have it. You can walk into a room and go, ah, that's peace. Or, ah, that is an anxiety provoking <laughs> thunderstorm waiting to happen, right? So, so these questions, what does it mean? What does it mean to me? You want to turn it around. What does this mean to me? Just mm -hmm. do that question asking really, really powerful. I think. Oh, that's such a powerful question. I'm so happy that you left people with that because 
I think that's the best thing we can do is really come back to ourselves. And we think everyone has the answers for us. And really, they're just giving us maybe a mirror reflection, or, you know, sometimes even just wrong guidance Correct. <laughs> in some cases. So we have to be discerning about yes. who we're listening to. And so I would encourage you, regardless of whether you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to something else, just always tune in to your heart. Like, is this right for me? Maybe a little bit is right for you. Maybe some of it's right for you. Maybe all of it's right for you. Who knows? Like, be present with the fact that like, maybe not all of it is for you. And maybe not all of it is for you right now. And, and we, we become aware of what's for us when we do the self-reflection inner work, like you were suggesting. So what does this mean to me? I love that question. Wow. You know, when you were saying that, I was thinking of, I was a university instructor and, and I would start my classes by saying, guys, you have to question everything. You even have to question everything comes out of my mouth. Just because I'm standing here at the front of the class and I'm the professor, that does not mean that everything that I say, you should take as gospel. Mm. So I put that out and these are young minds, right? University students that I was talking to, but I put it out there for everyone, mm. as you just said, so, so beautifully question everything question everything and tune in because you know your own wisdom you know what is true for you and just trust it I love that I always feel like critical thinking is maybe something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about now but when I went to school and I studied journalism that was the biggest thing I was taught was how to think critically how to question every source of information I was given and I don't understand how, you know, I've, I've run across people who are like, I don't understand why you do, why you have blind faith in this. Like yes. I to question everything to be critical yes. about what I'm absorbing, what I'm letting in and I, you know, <laughs> so, so back to the programming, this is a funny story. When I was in grade six, my math teacher told me I had to stop asking why. <laughs> Oh no, I have that as a child too. My dad used to say like, don't ask me why anymore. <laughs> no more, no more, no more. So see, see, so critical reflection, questioning, whatever isn't encouraged. It's really not. And so I'm encouraging folks. You're encouraging folks. Question everything. Question every thought you think. Yeah. Seriously, everything that you think, did you think it or is it somebody else's thought that you have taken on it as your own? And this is the conscious work you can do before we get even even into the subconscious stuff that you're so good with. Like there's a lot of conscious stuff you can get rid of. You can like dump the, what is it? Garbage truck. Get rid of a lot of stuff that you're conscious that you think. Just yep. question everything, everything. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So good. We should start to wrap up here. So I want to, you know, just give you an opportunity to share if there's anything, any last words or anything you want to share with the audience, a gift perhaps, or anything of that nature. We'll put I would love the show to. Notes. 
Love to, love to, love to. So I have a variety of coaching programs. I'm working with midlife women who really don't understand that sense of who they are now and what they want to create in a process of moving from confusion to clarity and lots of different opportunities to work together. If you go to my website, lisapetty.com, you'll see that. My book, Forget About Having It All, is available at Amazon and any listener who would like to get started sort of focusing on their own well-being. I have a free download on, you just have to type in lisapetty.com slash self-care guide with dashes in it. So self-care-guide and there's a free download there for you as well. And that again is grounded in research. It's not fluff, very powerful. Oh, I love it. And I just, it's, I, I really hope that if you as a listener are really vibing with Lisa here today, because I know I have people from all walks of life, from all different points in their life journey that you follow up on yourself and really like connect to her. If, if, you know, whether it's something she said, you know, reach out to her. She's very kind and, and sweet and approachable and so knowledgeable. So I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And if anybody who's looking for my support, you can send me a message on Facebook, on Instagram, Money Mermaid Christine. And I would love to help you diagnose your wealth block. That's one of my calls that I invite people on to help them and support them with seeing if we're a good fit to work together. So I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's response. If you if you want to share what you got out of it, would love to just find out what your thoughts are, what your biggest ahas were from this podcast. And you can post that on social media, tag me uh, and any of anything like that. We'll, we'll make sure that Lisa gets some feedback. If, if there's any feedback that you have, you guys have for her, you know, praise and all of the stuff that I'm sure you guys got out of this experience, just like I have. So thank you again for being here, Lisa. I just so appreciate the, the time and the attention you and the wisdom that you brought to this uh, podcast. Oh, I knew I was going to have a great time chatting with you. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. And we'll be back again at some point in the future. Keep your eyes and your ears open. Bye.